If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today at Horse Chats, we're talking to Anne Looseville. Now, Anne's been a guest with us before. We look for the niche within the horse industry. And um, she's very, very interested about helping people in countries that don't necessarily have the best ability to learn or the best resources to learn. You know, she's very, very happy to help those people. She um, likes to transfer equestrian knowledge to countries where equestrian support is growing rapidly. Now, Anne's also, among other things, as well as Equine Support International, Anne's a sports psychologist. And today we're going to be talking about riding and competing better by improving the mental game. And I think the mental game is very important. I think that you would have to be with no knowledge at all to think that the mental game is not important within sports psychology. And she's now, because she's got that equine background, is able now to bring the equine into the sports psychology and talk to us about riding and competing within equestrian or within equine sports and helping us with our mental game. But before we do start that, I'd just like to have a quick chat about the motto of International Horse College, and that is people safety and horse welfare. And if you've heard me talk at all on horse chats, you would know that that's very much my personal motto as well, people safety and horse welfare. If that's the way that you feel when you're working around horses, have a look at the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, Anne's coming on. I'm pretty excited about that. How are you today, Anne? Hello, Glenis. Yeah, I'm uh, doing very well. Thank you for inviting me again. Oh, that's okay, Anne. Love talking to people with specialised knowledge like you do. You know, I'm just really looking forward to this, you know, riding and competing better by improving your mental game because we have a lot of listeners on our podcast who ride, compete. You know, everyone's got an interest in horses, whether it's a current interest. We even get people who've had the interest, want to get back into it, love listening to the podcast then, but may not be in a life situation where they can have horses at the moment, but they still want to maintain that connection. So improving our mental game to ride and compete better, great. What made you choose that in particular for coming on this time? For me, it was um, choosing to start to study sports psychology when I was a rider and a trainer in Mexico. And I was doing it for a couple of years already, a full-time job there. And I started to see how many mental problems or issues people had. So people were insecure, people were nervous, people were comparing each other or themselves to each other. Then I saw like, hey, there's another field where I can help my students, my riders even more. That's where, where I really got interested in, uh, in sports psychology. Yeah, I'm very glad that you did get interested in sports psychology because I'm sure we're going to have a great chat today. Now, first of all, can we talk about setting process goals for each training? You know, each time we go out, each time we are training, the process goals, how are the process goals different to, say, long-term goals? Yeah, or other type of goals. Yeah, exactly. That's a very important question because there are three types. Goals. You have um, outcome goals, performance goals, and then process goals. Process goals, they tell you exactly what and how you have to do an exercise. 
So, for example, when you're riding and you think, okay, I need to do a good canter depart, that doesn't help you doing actually a good canter depart. So, for example, if your goal would be, okay, I have to do a sitting trot right before my canter depart and then in the corner I, I put my back behind the girth, for example, yeah, then you have a very specific cue for yourself. What is it exactly that you have to do? So rather than focusing on, oh, it should be good today, or, oh, I want to practice my extended trot, and then what is it exactly that you want to practice in that extended trot? So this really helps you to focus on your task. So every time when you get a little bit distracted by something or by somebody else, or you feel insecure, or hey, you start to focus on uh, riders or scary things maybe around the arena, you can very easily redirect your attention back to exactly that one thing that you want to practice that um, the training session. So, um, yeah, process goals really help you to to stay focused as well. Okay, okay. Now, I know when we're improving our mental game, our words are very important. What sort of words should we be using? What sort of words shouldn't we be using? Yeah, well, um, yeah, very important is that you that you have a positive, um, that you use positive words. And it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's really true and it's also evidence-based that if you start to teach yourself um, how to talk more positively to yourself, your, your performance will also improve and also how you feel during that performance. And what I mean exactly here is that hey, your words are very powerful and you have a, a choice which story you you can believe. So which story do you tell yourself when you're riding? Are you telling yourself like, okay, I will never learn it or I'm not good enough? Or, or are you telling yourself like, okay, I'm just learning, I'm developing. It's not maybe not good enough, but tomorrow will be better and it's a process and I'm enjoying it and I'm having a good time with my horse regardless of that exercise or and when things are, are tough, which story do you tell yourself? And it's very important because words are powerful. Sometimes people say it, oh, it's just words, you know, but words are very powerful. So, yeah, what's the story that's going on in your mind every second of the day? What are you telling yourself? So, for example, I tell myself all the time, this is like more in daily life also, but I don't have enough time. So for me, that's a very tough thing, like... Every time or multiple times a day, I tell myself, oh, I don't have enough time or there is not enough time. I have to hurry up. I, I'm late. There's not enough time. But that's also a story that I tell myself. So hey, I can change that story. I can just start to tell myself there's plenty of time. And then I feel right away, I feel more relaxed and that changes my perception of, of life, basically. So... Yeah, when I work with writers, I often see that they tell themselves like stories and they start to believe it, but they can also start to tell themselves another story and then they will start to believe that new story, which is much easier and more pleasurable. So, uh, yeah, watch your words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, everyone's going to be different situation, I suppose. If we talk about a package deal, I'm presuming that we're talking about ourselves, our own physicality, our own access to resources, you know, great instructors, great facilities, lots of money, best horse in the world, or is our package deal the deal that we've got? You know, how can we accept our package deal and the situation we're in? How can that help 
us improve our mental game if we haven't got everything? If we've got everything going for us, it's probably pretty easy. But what can we do? How can we accept that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a very good question. And uh, just recommending somebody to accept something, yeah, that's always how can you do that? Because sometimes it is tough and especially the things that you rather don't accept, how can you accept them? But what I think is very important here is that you that you start to understand that you are good in a hundred things and there are things that are not your strengths and that's fine. So it really helps to think of seeing yourself as a package deal and and rewarding yourself and being very happy with the good things that you uh, that you have and that, that being being thankful for for the nice things and the strength and, and, and the advantages that you have in your life and then on the other side also accepting that there are also things so here i mean especially like the weeks uh, the weaknesses and the strengths in in a personality type and that yeah some you have things to uh, right? you have to learn with to live with things that you might not like so much on, about yourself yeah and and you can't have it all and even though when you look around at other people it sometimes or other writers it sometimes looks as if they have have it all and if they are that having that perfect life but realizing that their lives are not so perfect either and that they have their own uh, struggles and their own issues behind the closed doors in their in their houses and you don't know of. Um, so it really helps to understand and to know that you it's okay that there are things that, that you're not so good at um, and accepting yourself for, for who you are and for, okay, yeah, um, I don't like myself being, uh, for example, um, and not, not being not very patient. But yeah, if that is who you are, then and then see if you can embrace that also. And also seeing your um, your potential weakness also as something positive, because that also means that you have a lot of goals, you have a lot of power, you are um, enthusiastic, you have a lot of energy. And so that's also the positive. So every weakness also has a positive side. So. Yeah, what I'm always recommending is just try to balance yourself and accept that that nobody is really perfect. I'm just thinking about, you know, if you're making excuses for your weakness, but what you'd said before is to watch your words. So if we find ourselves making our excuses, how can we catch those excuses? What can we do? Yeah, well, that has everything to do with, uh, with the story that you're telling yourself. Um, so I'm very careful with myself that I listen to the the voice in my head and that um, what am I what am I telling myself so am I telling myself oh I'm late I'm I'm hungry I'm tired or um, I have a flat tire or um, I just went to through a breakup I hear like so many excuses and I'm making them myself as well but I do see them in my my students also so if you, the first thing is, what are your goals? If you want to, um, to compete, for example, with your horse, or if you really want to, to jump a course on, on 120, you have to do what it takes to get there. And if you're not doing what it takes, then you won't get there. And it's very, um, that's very honest and very direct. But sometimes I see people had that their goals and their actions, they're not aligned. So people 
every time they are struggling with themselves because on one hand they really say that they want to to compete or or jump a course or go to to the next dressage level but then on the other side they know um, for example they know okay i need to become fitter so in order to uh, to do the, the full test sitting trot, I need to go to the gym and I need to work on my own fitness. Um, they know that that is needed to achieve their, their goal, um, but they don't do it because they come with excuses like um, I was too tired or I don't have the money or I don't have the time. So there is always something. And I think, therefore, that it's very important to catch your excuses on time. So what are you also here what are your words what are you telling yourself are you accepting your excuse from yourself and when you say okay i'm tired and then you just stay home and uh, you watch netflix or are you accepting like okay you are tired but you have a goal so you go to the gym anyways um or for example people saying like i don't have the money to to uh, train with a trainer but then they buy a new iphone and these things are for me very tricky because then apparently you don't really uh, want to achieve that goal. So really make sure that your your goals and your actions are aligned and that you catch your excuses. Okay. Okay. Now, and talking about our mental game, and you know, I know that a lot of um, sports psychologists use visualization. So visualizing our test or our exercise, but how do we do that? What's the best way that we can, you know, that we can introduce that visualization and use it to our advantage? How can we do that? Yeah, visualization is a, it's a very effective technique that is used within the sports psychology a lot. Um, and also this one is also evidence-based. And it, sometimes people, they tell me like, oh, I don't think that that really helps. Um, but it really does. And there are a few things that you really need to keep in mind. And so when you start to visualize, um, as some people, they have more like fantasy and others uh, not so much. But um, you can visualize from um, a couple different um, point of view. So you can visualize just sitting on your couch and then seeing yourself from above, like helicopter view. And then you see yourself, you watch yourself ride. Or you can visualize that you are you, so that you're sitting on your horse, that you feel how you have, you're have you holding the reins and how your horse is moving underneath you. And so then you're visualizing yourself riding. And some the people, they just have preference for, uh, for either way, and either way are fi- is fine. So then it's very important that when you start to visualize that you uh, try to uh, visualize it as vivid as possible, so uh, that you, for example, uh, try to include all your your senses. So you you hear the ring when you start your course, your jumping course, or you feel the the fresh air in your um, in your face, or you hear people or smell maybe your horse or the the fly repellent. It's very important that you include as many details as possible. So visualize as vivid as possible. And then another point that's very important is that you want to visualize it very positive because um, what happens when you visualize something is that your brain doesn't really understand the difference between something real and something that you have visualized. So 
when you are, for example, going to a competition and you're visualizing your test. So the week before you're visualizing yourself going to the barn and, and getting yourself ready and you're visualizing yourself um, in the warming up arena and then when your test starts. So then you're visualizing also your exact test, massage test. So what happens is that um, your brain doesn't know the difference between the real test and the test that you have visualized. So it for you, when you are on your real competition, it feels already a little bit familiar as if you have done it before, which you only have done it before in your mind. But then it's very important that you visualize it also positively. So if you visualize positively, then your experience will be positively and you will feel yeah, a little more at ease during your competition. But when you visualize the negative things, so yeah, your horse spooks, and very often we, we make like these uh, worst case scenarios, like, oh, what if my horse spooks? Or what if my horse does this? Or what if that happens? It is also a part of visualizing. So you see yourself on a horse that is taking off during your competition or yeah, other, other scenarios. And that also kind of works. So then it works against you. So be very careful that you visualize uh, positive, um, that you visualize the things that are going very well and very smooth and effortless, because then it will go more smooth and effortless. Because when you visualize, your brain sends little signals to your muscles. And when, when you're in a competition um, and you are a little bit nervous, then you also already have a little less sensitive communication between your brain and your muscles so the big muscle groups um, are um, they get the signals but not the small ones and the small ones are very important when riding so when you have visualized it you have already practiced that very small um, giving the aids to your horse so the very soft and, and gentle aids to your horse um, yeah, so that really helps. And what I also um, find very interesting is, and so you can visualize your, your dressage test or your jumping course for a competition. For example, um, if you're having difficulties with flying changes or with uh, a canter walk transitions or with a double combination, it's also very effective if you visualize specific exercises and you can just do it over and over and over again. And then your brain considers it as real practice. So every time when you get on your horse, you are already a little bit better in that specific exercise. So that's a very funny and interesting little trick. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, 
Maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I, I love the way that you said, you know, when you visualise, visualise everything, but visualise it in the positive. You know, I know that as a competitor, you know, you find that sometimes your pulse is up a bit, your breathing's up a bit, and you want to have good breathing techniques. But, you know, how important is this? And, and are there specific breathing techniques that we should use within that visualisation and within our competing and our riding and everything else as well? so that we can breathe the way that we should do to optimise our performance? Yeah, so when we are in stressful situations, our body gets in a um, flight or a fight mode, and that means that your um, heart starts to race and your breathing starts to speed up, and that gives that very unpleasant, uh, nervous feeling. And then also you get other um, signs like sweaty hands and you need to go to the bathroom 20 times. So that is also a result of the stress in your body. And you can relax, like you can um, approach it from two different ways. So you can either relax your mind first, and then your body will uh, follow, will also slow down a little bit. Or you can start to slowing down your body, and then your mind will also be more relaxed. So when you use breathing techniques, say you work on slowing down your body and then your mind will also come down. Um, so yeah, very uh, good, important thing to practice before the scary situation. Because if you start to only breathe or think about your breathing um, when you are already in that nervous or when you are already in that situation, then it doesn't work. And then people tell me, yeah, well, breathing really doesn't do that much for me. But that's because you have to practice. So you have to practice when you're completely relaxed and then you start to get familiar with that breathing technique and then you can apply it when you're nervous or in a more stressful situation. So a very easy thing to practice is the deep belly press. Yeah, so that is like really bringing down your, your breathing and just really focusing on breathing in your, uh, in your tummies. And another breathing technique, this is yeah, so the deep belly breath you can do right before the stressful situation or also during the stressful situation. It's more difficult to do like when you are doing um, physical exercise so you can do it in the walk, for example, very easily, but it's already more difficult in the trot and in the canter because when your breathing heats up, it's very difficult to continue that deep belly um, breathing. So on these moments, um, you really focus on long inhales and long exhales, but the deep ones, are, are it's getting more difficult to, to keep your breathing very low. Um, and another exercise that is sometimes very helpful is breathing for uh, four seconds, then holding out in for four seconds, um, and then breathing out for six or sometimes eight seconds. Um, so you breathe in for four, you hold for four, and then you breathe out for six or maybe for eight. Um, and if you breathe out longer than you breathe in, so your exhales are longer than your inhales, then you activate the system in your body, the parasympathetic system, and that is the system um, that tells your body to relax. Body, okay. You can relax your muscles, you can relax your shoulders, your jaw, you can, whew, you can just take it easy, you're, you're okay. 
So if you breathe out longer than you breathe in, then you activate that system already. Um, and another very interesting technique is called heart coherence. In this technique, your inhales and your exhales are exactly the same. So you, for example, breathe in for five and then you breathe out for five. You breathe in for five, out for five. And then your breathing becomes like more or less a circle. And apparently that also slows down your, your heart rate. So then you get like in your heart rate more coherent. So then you don't have these very um, messy, because if you look at the um, heartbeat of a nervous rider or a nervous um, person, it's very messy, the heart rate. It goes up and then a little bit down and then up, up, and it's very messy. Well, if you start to breathe like very regular and inhales and exhales are the same, then you see that the heart rate is also going to be a little bit more um, regular or um, more the same. So that also helps to feel more relaxed. And that are in the end um, had the, the why we're doing these kind of exercises. Um, so, for example, if you are in your uh, dressage test or um, in a training session and you feel that you get very warm, that you're coming out with a very red face and that it was a very um, a tough, tough thing for you to do, then probably it's good to, uh, to take a look into the, the way of, of breathing because that really can help to relax. Earlier on, you said if you want to achieve the goal, basically you put the work in. But is it all work, 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 focus, prioritise, goal setting, you know, riding our horses, best to care for the horses, we're eating, exercising? How important is it that we actually enjoy this? Yeah, that is, in a way, it is the most important thing, I, I believe, except maybe if you have, if you want to go to the Olympics, or maybe if that is your goal, if you're really an athlete, well, then you really have to work for it. But in the end, for most of us, horses are just our hobby. And and sometimes I see people like taking it so seriously and they're struggling and they're doing everything they can and they're so harsh on themselves. And And then sometimes I ask myself, like, why are you doing it? What is the fun for you? So, yeah, don't take it too serious. And sure, you want to take take good care of your horse and, and, and make sure that there are very serious things and there are very important things that you have to do take very serious. But also have a little fun and ask yourself, why are you doing it? Because that also helps to take off the tension a little bit. If you tell yourself before you're going for a training session and you're very tense because, oh, yeah, you have to practice this and you have to do that better than yesterday. And, oh, yeah, your trainer told you that this needs to be improved and blah, blah, blah. Ask yourself, why are you doing it? Is it still your hobby? Are you still really enjoying the time with your horse? Or also sometimes... um, are you doing it at the expense of your horse and of the fun for your horse and with your horse? So, yeah, enjoy the process, definitely. Now, like you said before, not everyone wants to go to the Olympics. Some people do, and great, and they have their path. How important is it then that we follow our own path? You know, we do ourselves. We don't sort of be a cookie cutter. 
and this is what I want to do, this is the path I'm on, you know, but sometimes there are other things within the horse world even, you know, that we can say, oh, I'd like to do a little bit of this. You know, I, I was just talking to someone who was a dressage coach and, you know, she sort of sidesteps and she still teaches of courses, but she's not necessarily doing dressage now and she's doing another type of work with horses that she's really enjoying. Is that if we're really talking about sports psychology, should we just go, well, we should just be dedicated. That's the goal. And you know, how flexible is it? How important that we can be a bit flexible and follow our own path? Is that just being lazy to be doing something else? Or can you give us a little bit of feedback about that? Yeah, sure. I think um, the first thing is that it's very important to to understand that you do you. So whatever you want to do, yeah, that is your decision and you have all the rights to do what you want to do. Um, and sometimes we are so focused on what other people are thinking of us and we're feeling so vulnerable because people will judge us and yeah, people will, will start to talk about us, which often is not the case because all the other people, they are also busy with themselves. So... Yeah, we should not be uh, too afraid for people um, focusing on us. But then regarding the following your own path is headed is also a little bit in line with the previous things that we talked about, that yeah, you don't have to prove something to somebody else. So yes, you want to yeah, you want to set goal that you want that you are happy with. Yeah, and whether that is going for a recreational ride out in the forest hacking out or whether that is going to the Olympics, it should be your goal. And it should not be the goal of your parents or your trainer. Or yeah, So check in with yourself. What is your goal? And yeah, if you are halfway and you change your mind, yeah, people can pretend or people can consider that as maybe being lazy or, oh, yeah, when things are tough, yeah, he or she uh, quits, which which can be true. Um, and that's also why discipline is called uh, pers- having perseverance when the things are getting tough. Um, yeah, so, yes, I always um, recommend people to, yeah, to to be a little bit more more tough on themselves and catch their excuses and just continue for a little bit. But then if you find yourself living somebody else's life, yeah, why are you doing it then? Um, And what I also find very interesting is is the fact that we are so, um, we are comparing ourselves so much with, with others that if we are in a barn with only um, very competitive uh, riders, then we start to become a competitive rider as well because we start to compare ourselves with the others. While if that is not your your goal, that's fine. But then also dare to stand up for yourself and just um, do what is needed and tell the others, like, I don't compete, for example. Or that is not for me, which is fine. So choose for yourself and then keep the other things also into account that you get your excuses and um, that you have um, a fair mental game with yourself so that you know like, oh yeah, actually I still, because this is something that I see a lot, actually I do still have that goal and that dream 
but I get afraid and things are getting tough and I start to have self-doubt and I start to have lower self-esteem because I'm like, oh, it's getting tough now, it's getting serious. And then an excuse can be, yeah, but maybe, well, this is not my goal. I'm just going to adjust my goal. But then deep inside, they feel that they still really would like to achieve it, but they're just afraid. And that is the point where you can, uh, where I would like to encourage you to catch your excuses. And then when you, even when you feel afraid, put that, that, that fear on the side and, and continue to work towards your goal. Okay. Yep. Yep. Now, if we're going to, you know, we've got our, we've been improving our mental game. We find that we need to, you know, have a good preparation for a sport. And I think you said earlier on, you know, that, oh, should I ride today? Should I not ride? If we're, you know, we we really should be putting the work in. And I'm sure that just the good preparations, the routines and the rituals, but what sort of things are going to come up? You know, like it's going to be rainy and it's cold and it's wet, that's everything else. So what can help us keep those routines and rituals and, and how can we even create them and, and um, you know, to have a positive outcome? Yeah. Yeah, so first of all, you'd like to uh, create your, your routines in an optimal situation. So yeah, with normal weather, with normal situation, and especially uh, when you're going to a competition or when you're having a, comp- a competition weekend or a multiple day uh, competition, yeah, you're making sure that you have arranged perfectly. That really helps. Then you can trust, like, okay, I don't have to stress because I have done all the preparation and and I know what to do and have my stuff ready and I don't have to clean my boots at the very last minute. So everything is ready and I can just calm down as well. So making sure that you're on time, make sure that you have a list with all the things and all the steps that you have to take um, and also with the... Um, a time path so you know exactly this is what I do the week before my competition this is what I do the day before my competition this is what I do on the morning of my competition and then this is what I do in the last two hours before my competition and that really helps because you can just take a look at the list and it's very easy you can just do whatever is on the list and you can trust the list as well so you don't have to keep too many things in your mind our minds they're not designed to they're not designed as notebooks or agendas so write things down everything that's out of your head gives you a little bit more uh, calm in your mind so write things down make sure that you have a list that you following from the list that you start to create your routines and then every time when you go on a competition you get more and more routine in your um, in going to competitions and that really helps for a good preparation. Okay. Now, I know that you've said, you know, act like the person you want to become. So if we're going to act like the person you want to become, please explain what that means and, and how can we do that, you know, to act like the person we want to become? Yeah. So um, you start to become future, you are already visualising. So then... For your mind, it will be more familiar already working towards that new uh, 
that developed you. So the, the you one year from now or two years from now or maybe even 10 years from now. And if you um, ask yourself, like if you're in a difficult situation or you have to have a difficult choice or a difficult conversation, you can ask yourself, what would my future me do in this situation? And then, for example, we were talking earlier about the person that has a, um, a competitive goal and then she starts to have self-doubt and she starts to have negative self-talk and basically she's just afraid. She's afraid yeah, if she's good enough, she's afraid for um, yeah, for the for the judge, for the competitor. She just really fears anxious. Um, then ask yourself, what would my future me do in this situation? Um, because that helps to visualize yourself like, okay, if my future me, for example, would be um, a very experienced competitive rider that has a lot of experience and know exactly what to do in that situation, even though you are not even a very experienced rider, but you are already uh, acting and, and behaving um, a little bit like that rider. And by doing this, you grow and you develop towards that person already. Um, so, yeah, for example, in a difficult conversation, you can ask yourself, what would my future me do? Yeah, and now, for example, my, my current me would, for example, get very angry. Yeah, would, would be very upset and very uh, would start to really uh, um, speak up and, and would be very... Um, very angry while my future me hey, would be more developed would like be able to express the feelings without just like it's going to fight you so yeah that really helps to and to start to think of how what would my future me do so that is really a question that's very funny and interesting to to start yourself because or to start to ask yourself because um, it also makes you aware of yeah, who is it that you would like to be and what are the the traits that you would like to develop more or that you want to uh, to learn more about and that that really helps also in writing. So who is it that you would like to become? I think that's excellent advice. Absolutely brilliant. It's not where you are now, it's where you plan to be. I mean, it's all it's all excellent advice, but I think particularly that last one is just caps it all off. Yeah, very good, very good. If people would like to contact you, I know they can contact you at annlooseveld.com and Equine Support International. If the contact details on there, I mean, we'll have them at horsechats.com. And certainly if you search for Anne, A-double-N-E with the E on the end or Loosevelt, L-O-O-S-E-S-V-E-L-D, either one of those names you'll find are on Horse Chats and all the contact details will be at the bottom of the page. But both those websites, either one is better than the other. What's the best way? Um, both websites are um, are good to, to go. But what I really would recommend is um, following us on Instagram because there were very um, – they can find daily inspiration and stories and tips to uh, to get started right away. And our Instagram is Equine Support 
underscore ESI. Um, we put those details on your page as well so people can contact you on Instagram. So, and thanks very much. Thanks for all your time. I loved all the tips, but particularly the last one. I think that, you know, very good just to act the person you want to become. Thank you. And looking forward to catching up with you again, Anne, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was, uh, was a lot of fun. Thank good. You. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I'll talk to you soon then. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.